This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, bad news bears. Bad news bears off the start. The Raptors lose 111 to 102 at home, which is really away. Uh, Miami, you know, there's no fans there, but Miami makes a short trip to Tampa. The Raptors, I guess, at this point, I don't know what you'd call it. It's hard to call them home games for the Raptors. There's no fans supporting them. When they were allowing fans, they were more likely to support the Heat than the Raptors. Uh, Kyle Lowry was booed at the free throw line. Kyle Lowry, the greatest Raptor of all time, booed at a quote-unquote home game. Anyway, they lost this one. And the bad news bears is that the two wins against Charlotte, the win against Dallas, those can't be seen as barometers of success outside of the standings. Like if we're talking process-wise, we look at that Dallas game and say, Wow, the Raptors, they played such good defense. This is why I wasn't super excited about it in the reaction podcast when that game, well, right after that game happened, was the Raptors beat up on a team that was missing four out of their top seven players. That is, you know, and they dominated them. Like, right on. You beat a team that was missing half of its rotation. That sees minutes. Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay. You know, Wes Wandu, those guys are getting minutes. You can't really be patting yourselves on the back too much. Then you have a game against the Heat tonight where Jimmy Butler is missing, as is Tyler Hero, as is Avery Bradley, as is Myers Leonard. That is, again, another hefty part of the rotation. Only this time, the Heat have better tertiary creators in Kendrick Nunn, in Goran Dragic, in Bam Adebayo. Duncan Robinson is more dangerous off-ball than any one player on the Mavericks. And the Heat were able to generate offense consistently. The inverted zone that they run, where the wings sit up high and the guards go low, completely dismantled a lot of what the Raptors wanted to do. They were completely unable to generate consistent offense against this team. When Kyle Lowry was off the floor... Nobody knew how to get into the teeth of that defense. The only good stretches of the game offensively involved transition and then just really nice shot making from one of Kyle or Fred Van Vliet. OG was awesome in this game. Outside of that, the positives are very, very short. I mean, Baines, I thought, did good. 
he's still the offense has not come around really at all. He had a three pointer. He did set screens, although ineffectual ones, you know, half the time. Defensively, I did like his his work on Bam. So there's that. But here's the problem, right? The Raptors have Stanley Johnson. They have OG Ananobi, particularly OG against the Mavericks, to load up as a primary against Luka Doncic. And the rest of the team can play team defense. In this game, Kendrick Nunn, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 9 of 12 from the 4, 4 of 6 from downtown. The work he did off ball, fine. The work he did on ball, that's what's bothersome. If you can't stop Kendrick Nunn in the pick and roll, your team is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything until you sort that out. Or if you don't sort it out, you're just going to lose to any team that has a capable pick and roll ball handler who isn't a mega wing that you can stick OG on. That's what's happened in this game. Goron was also super effective getting downhill. 6 of 16 is not as sterling as 9 of 12, and 17 points isn't as much as 28. But the Raptors' point of attack defense with their guards is so mind-numbingly bad at this point in the season that Kendrick Nunn is just tearing them apart. So that is Kyle Lowry. That is Fred Van Vliet. That's Terrence Davis. That's all the guys involved there, none of whom are playing good point-of-attack defense. Also, I should note Norm as well. Basically, the Raptors not equipped to stop the ball when a guard is attacking. That is a huge problem. That was that has been pervasive throughout the season. It was the reason for a lot, and I mean a lot, of the Heat offense. Does Bam initiate some of the offense? Yes. Did he have seven assists? Yes. But I honestly thought most of that was due to break, breakdowns. I didn't think the dribble handoff stuff or the post-up stuff in the in the high or low post when they give Bam the ball there. I did not think that was where a lot of the breakdowns came from. Most of it seemed like it was straight up pick and roll basketball, getting the defense turning, making the requisite passes, finding open shooters. And if the Raptors are going to, it just takes one pick and roll to get downhill and get that defense in rotation. If it's that easy to score on you, it's you're going to have a tough time, especially if you can't score on the other end. And Fred Van Vliet puts up 24. I thought his, you know, he worked hard, really, really hard in this game for that. OG was a consummate pro working off ball. Even at a couple times where he was on ball, got to the front of the rim, made some plays happen. Pascal at 18, almost 50% from the floor. I'm as big a Pascal supporter as there is, but that's deceiving. He was not good offensively tonight. Was just, When they play so much zone, it does take away the post up from him, especially if Bam is in help side waiting, right? That's, that's tough. Bam Adebayo has a game-saving block in the playoffs, and his, he's, he's an all-NBA defender. There's no doubt about it. So that's intimidating for Pascal. Also, in the middle of the floor, there's nothing he can really do because there's people pinching in from all sides, and that really plays on and is predatory towards his lack of a handle or his unrefined handle as it currently stands. And the Heat are just gapping him because he can't hit a three-point shot. I don't know if it's like two for his last 20 or two for his last 21. He's not hit threes. The jumper looks hesitant. He's toe-tapping. He's alligator-arming some of it. The mid-range, I mean, he's hitting on, which is nice. But offensively, Pascal, 
you know, he he found his way to 18 points, which is good. You like when your players kind of sleepwalk to high numbers. But in a game like this where they needed a consistent source of offense, not good. Even the wonderkin Boucher had trouble finding his way into the middle of the Heat defense. There Far too many times was Boucher put in a position where he had the ball on the perimeter and had to put the ball down. If you remember, and it wasn't even a zone, but the Warriors, when they made the Rockets miss 27 straight threes, yes, some of that was just the Rockets missing good shots, but the Warriors' defense had just pushed the Rockets out so that 23 feet, 9-inch shot became like 25 feet. And it became 25 feet from everywhere. They are launching from above the break and just missing. The Raptors, the same thing happened. The heat zone, because they have those big guys at the top, Iguodala, Robinson, they'll sit at the top. They've got the long arms, both of them. And they make the passes tough. Sure, the Raptors can pass back and forth from the 45 extended to the point all they want. It's not that dangerous. But try and get below the break. They just had so much trouble. I can't count how many times the Raptors got the ball above the break and just rode the nail as they switched to the opposite, like as they switched sides, passed it out above the break on the other side and cut through. And nothing happened because the the heat zone was intimidating for them. When they flashed middle, the defense squeezed in. And did they get some open three-point shots out of that? Definitely they did but they are above the break threes for the most part. Occasionally one sprayed out to the corner. Typically it was OG hitting one of those shots or, or maybe Fred, but the Raptors basically just could not get anything going at the rim. You look at a team that has been so overly reliant on the three point shot. The heat know this and the heat know, Hey, we'll just push them out a little bit further. Those corner threes that are just like, That's what everybody wants. We're going to give them less of that. And if they do take it, it's going to be crowded because we're going to be right there with our quick guards out to contest. They want to take them above the break, a huge heap of above the break threes, fine. Do your thing. We'll push you out a little bit further than you're used to. And that happened. And the Raptors could not generate anything outside of transition. And, you know, in the half court, it was dead outside of Kyle Lowry and especially Fred Van Vliet working very, very hard to try and get the Raptors going downhill, anything like that. You know, seven and nine assists is where they both finished in this game. And, you know, Matt Thomas, the guy who is a zone buster by design, he is meant to bust zones. If they're going to play you that way and you want a guy, hey, if you're going to take the threes, you might as well have one of the best three-point shooters in the world doing it. But no minutes for him once again. Stanley Johnson, 11 and a half minutes, basically not a statistic registered. He got a block, missed a shot, had one rebound, but was completely iced out of the game. And the Raptors, you know, outside of their traditional five best players, or has been the case so far this year, Lowry, Fred, Pascal, and Boucher, sure, you get the three-pointer from Baines. And as I said, he was much better defensively in this one. And, you know, he found his way to three assists, but that's... We're once again looking at creating out to the three-point line and just people getting assists because they make a shovel pass or a quick pass to a guy who's going to make it three. Need assists that create rim runs or layups. Terrence Davis, a lot of the three-point shooting, a lot of the runouts in transition, he was the guy on the positive end of them. 
had defensive playmaking as well, three steals, was on the right side of a bunch of plays in this one, 16 points. But yeah, basically in this game, the Raptors completely, if you're looking at the Mavericks game, which I believe the name of the podcast for that one was, you know, executing a scheme and winning the game. That's what the Heat did in this one. Very clearly designed by Spolstra to prey on all of the Raptors' perceived and real weaknesses and hitting on a lot of them. It took great energy to ever outfox that defense and shot making. They just stayed in their nice little shell. They made the Raptors play to the weak points of their games and let them launch away from three and said, hey, if you're going to hit three after three over these long arms with an extended range a little bit, then, hey, you're going to win the game because we're going to let you shoot those. But it was a good gamble because the Raptors are not going to hit threes at that high a percentage when those are the terms they're coming to the shot with. 111-102. They thoroughly dominated in this one. And could there have been more shot making? Of course. But this game, I know it does finish at a nine-point deficit, but it was not that close towards the end. The Raptors hit some shots to get back into it. Outside of that, especially the fourth quarter, the Raptors went five-plus minutes without a score. They were completely figured out in this game. The Heat really knew where to pressure, where to let off, and the Raptors, yeah, dominated in this one. The Reggie Evans Award, I very happily give it to OG, who I thought was, even though Fred finished with 24, nine assists, I, like, I did like his game a lot. OG, I thought, was doing a lot of work defensively, switching off of Bam and back onto him, staying on wing defenders, the occasional switch out onto a guard. He's just a lot of different places on the floor. And defended really well, I thought. And the -the off-the-dribble stuff combined with the off-ball stuff on offense. I love to see that. I think he's one of the the great hopes of this Raptors team. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-NBA player or anything like that. But if his dribble comes along, then you can start talking about a really, really exciting player. And as it currently stands, the level of his defense, the level of his three-point shooting, and the level of his rebounding, you already have him at market value. And he's only making what like 3.8 million this year. Next year it's 17.5, 18. That's fine. He's worth that right now. You're just waiting for him to develop skills and in this game, I thought he busted his hump. He put in the work and uh I was I was happy with his performance. So Reggie Evans award goes to OG Ananobi. Top quick reaction comment is from Red Van Vliet. Quote, "Give me Cade, give me Mobley." End quote. I see that's the thing. It's tough to sit through a season where your team loses a lot of games. I understand the urge, though, of fans who look at Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Brandon Boston Jr., Jalen Suggs, you know, a lot of the the blue chip prospects in this draft and the draft guys that I know who, you know, the early returns of the past couple drafts that I've seen them paying attention to seem to be quite sharp and uh, bang on. They project this draft, as many do, as just full of, you know, maybe not transcendent talent, but guys who should reach all-star status at some point. And when you look at Cade Cunningham and Mobley in particular, you know, there's guys who like Kuminga and and players like that. You know, no problem with that. But Mobley and Cunningham, there is... You know, you're teetering on what people expect to be transcendental 
or like for sure all NBA prospects. These guys are going to grow into stars. Cade looks good as hell. Mobley looks like he could be one of those Jonathan Isaac type of defenders who just comes in and you, oh, this dude's incredible. You just get it. You see the length. You see how he moves. And on offense, you know, he's got great touch. He's uh, He can shoot it a little bit. He moves well with his footwork. And uh, yeah, I mean, those guys are super exciting. I totally get the fixation. I like Suggs a lot, like a lot, a lot, because I played a bit of basketball at Gonzaga, not as a member of the team, obviously, but uh, just, you know, tournaments held there during the summer, stuff like that. I Gonzaga is cool as hell place. They have such a good program that they run there. And Suggs is really thriving in it. And I, I like the way he plays. Really high IQ. A guy who is very, very good in transition as well, which fits with the ideal version of the Raptors. But I suppose if you're looking for a guy who can just completely dominate in the half court, maybe you want Cade instead. Also, this isn't me saying Suggs is better than Cade. I just like the Gonzaga guys. Brandon Clark, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Kispert, Tilly, whatever, right? But yes, I totally understand why someone might say it's time to batten down the hatches, uh, snuggle up in the tank, get comfortable for a rough however many games, and reap the the rewards at the end of the season with a, you know a nice high lottery pick. I see the appeal uh, as somebody who covers the Raptors and has to watch every single game and pay attention closely, and I just. I'm going to watch every minute of this season, right? And not every beat writer does that. Not every writer does that. If the Raptors play like trash, it's going to suck like a little bit. But I understand. That's that's no problem at all. Uh, And it would make it really fun if one of those blue chip prospects, those possible uh, transcendent players uh, came to the Raptors. That would be all types of fun. So... I mean, at the end of the season, if you're sitting there with a really high draft pick, you say, hell yeah, all of it was worth it. The tank is uh, is successful. But if, you know, the ping pong balls bounce the wrong way and you're like 11th or something, then you're probably pissed. And <laughs> I, yeah, who knows? It's It's a gamble for sure. But I understand why people look at the current Raptors team and say, let's gamble. But anyway... Thank you for tuning in. I'm, I'm very glad you joined me. Uh, but whether you got in here in the morning, the night, whatever it was, uh, I hope you have a blessed day and goodbye.